want to speak to you today on this subject, how to weather the storms of life. We're going to be looking together at Luke chapter 6 and verses 46 to 49. Uh, if you have a Bible, you might want to make your way there and we'll read the scripture here in just a moment. There's a bird known as the golden-winged warbler. And there were some scientists who were studying not actually that particular bird, but uh, they began to study that particular bird because they did something that was interesting. In fact, they started doing something that was unusual and fleeing their nest. And the discovery was made by accident while the scientists were doing some testing whether or not uh, these birds were able to carry a geolocator on their back. And what the birds did was with a big storm brewing, they took off from their breeding ground in the Cumberland Mountains of eastern Tennessee, uh, where they had only just arrived for an unplanned migratory event. And all told, these birds traveled some 900 miles in five days. You see, what they were doing was they were avoiding some tornado-producing storms. These golden-winged warblers apparently knew in advance that a storm was coming. So these birds left the scene where it looked safe, but it actually was about to not be safe in order to avoid these supercells that were on the way. Now, the scientists aren't sure exactly what it is that makes these birds have the ability to anticipate a storm like that. They think that they actually have an infrasound frequency that alerts them to storms so that they can prepare. Now, I want to tell you today that God has given us instruction in his word. And in his word, he's given us instruction on how we can know him and live by faith and also how we can deal with the storms of life and prepare for the storms to come. In our passage of Scripture today, Jesus gives us a warning specifically on how we can weather the storms of life. And I begin reading in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6 and verse 46, and here's what the Word of God says. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Now verse 49. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. How can we weather the storms of life? Well, first of all, if you want to weather the storms of life, you need to learn to do what Jesus says. You need to learn to do what Jesus says. He asked the question here, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? When we make that declaration, Jesus is Lord, we're declaring the deity of Jesus. We are saying something about who he is, and we're saying something about what our response is to him. 
Peter said in his sermon in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So Jesus as Lord is God in the flesh. Jesus as Lord has authority over all of the heavens and the earth. Jesus as Lord is Lord over all. And he's worthy of our submission. He's worthy of our worship. Do you know that the New Testament refers to Jesus as Lord over 700 times, reminding us who he is? And here's what I think's in view. I think the heart of discipleship is in view. You remember the parting words of Jesus to the church were, go therefore and make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone who knows Jesus by faith, who follows Jesus in faithfulness, and then who grows progressively to be more like Jesus in character. So a Christian disciple specifically is a follower of Jesus who disciplines themselves in the teachings of Jesus. The word disciple is interesting. It, like discipline, comes from a word that means a learner. So I would say to you that a genuine disciple of Jesus is one who listens, learns, and lives what Jesus says to do. You've got to have your ears open so that you can hear what Jesus has to say to you so that you can listen closely. And notice what Jesus says here in these verses. A genuine disciple comes to Jesus. He said, whoever comes to me. Coming to Jesus involves trusting him by faith and then following him daily. He said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, if anyone desires to come after me, then let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And when you come to Jesus, he desires that you would walk in fellowship with him, that you would know him, that through prayer in the word and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, that you would draw closer and closer to him and that you would be able to understand what it is that he wants for your life. And not only does a genuine disciple come to Jesus, but a genuine disciple hears Jesus. And Jesus says, whoever hears my sayings. Now the word for sayings is logos. It's the word. So watch this. We are listening to the living word, who is Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And we're also listening to the written word that has been given to us. And the word for hearing is more than just a sound wave that resonates off of our eardrums. It means to hear with understanding. It means to comprehend what you're hearing. And that's what Jesus wants for us. And then a genuine disciple does what Jesus says, whoever does the sayings of Jesus. So there's sort of a progression here. As important as coming to Jesus is and hearing Jesus, it's doing what he says ultimately that is the proof of whether or not we've come to him and actually heard what he said to do. So obedience to the word directs your life in the right path, particularly in the time of the storm. You remember in the Old Testament when the storm of judgment was coming in the days of Noah, the people were wicked. God relented that he had made man. And yet there was this man who was righteous, who was in his presence, this man named Noah. And when the storm of God's judgment was coming, Noah went to God 
Noah heard about the flood from God. He received instructions for the ark. And don't miss this, he did what God said to do. And by doing what God said to do, he saved himself and his family. And by way of saving himself and his family was even a type of the salvation that was coming when we would be safely hid with God in Christ. Come to Jesus for instruction. Hear what Jesus says to do and then go out and do it. Second, if you want to weather the storms of life, then build on a strong foundation. Now, Jesus uses an illustration here in verse 48 that I think we all can uh, identify with because he's comparing the man who came and heard and went out and did to a man who built a house, dug deep and laid the foundation of the house on the rock. And then when the flood came and the stream beat against the house, it was not shaken because it was founded on the rock. Think about it. A foundation is hidden out of sight. We don't see a foundation until the storms come because when the storms come, the foundation in many ways will determine whether or not the house will stand. You can't see a foundation very easily if it's solid and if it's strong or if it's not. Foundation problems are very common on buildings in our region due to a variety of factors, the terrain, the soil types, the amount of water that we have. But you know you have a building foundation when a problem arises. Maybe you've had one even at your house. A crack above the door appeared. Your windows or your doors begin to stick and not open just right. Or maybe the floor begins to settle in a certain part of your house and you know all of a sudden that you've got a problem. Or maybe the porch out front that is connected to a poor foundation begins to separate and you're like, oh no, I've got a problem because my foundation is not holding. Well, I want to make a spiritual connection here, friend, and I want you to think about this. Just like the foundation of a building is out of sight, your spiritual foundation is also out of sight. In other words, you cannot see if someone is spending time with Jesus. You cannot see immediately what type of foundation they're building on. But foundation problems arise in the outworking of our lives and they come to the surface showing that something is just not right. Now Jesus said back in verse 45, a good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Or what about 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11? For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Or what about Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 and following? Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. The scripture says that Jesus as the chief cornerstone is the one in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord 
in whom also we are being built together for a dwelling place of God's Spirit. You see, a cornerstone was used as the foundation and the standard by which the building would be constructed. And in days of old, particularly as a cornerstone was laid, once it was in place, the entirety of the building would conform to the angles and to the size of the cornerstone. And if the cornerstone was removed or the cornerstone was laid poorly or the cornerstone was out of place, then the entire building would have troubles. But when we build on a solid foundation and Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, then that's when the whole structure will stand strong. And it's in the middle of these storms that we experience that we find out what our foundation is built on. I think of the story of Jesus and the disciples as recorded in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Jesus told his disciples on the Sea of Galilee, let us go over to the other side. Jesus lay down in the boat and went to sleep. Now just get this picture, because in the midst of all of that, there began a storm. And it wasn't just any old storm. It was a fierce storm, which would blow up from the hills surrounding the Sea of Galilee, creating an upheaval on the sea. It was a fierce gale wind. The boat began to take on water, and they were in trouble. They were in the middle of a storm, and Jesus was physically asleep. And they asked Jesus a question, essentially, don't you even care? Now, just be honest with yourself. You know you've experienced storms, and you've been in the middle of it, and it feels like a gale-force wind is blowing against you. It feels like that your boat is taking on water, and you put your eyes up to heaven, and you say, Lord, don't you even care? Where are you? Well, the Lord's the same place he's always been, and he cares but in our hearts, sometimes we feel like we're alone. And they said to Jesus, don't you even care that we perished, that we would perish? And Jesus awakened from his sleep, and he asked what seems like a very insensitive question. Why are you so timid and afraid and easily ruffled is basically what Jesus was asking them. And they're thinking, Jesus, we're about to drown. What kind of question is that? Jesus gets up, he comes to the front of the boat, and he says, peace, be still. Now, why would he be able to do that? First of all, because he's the Lord over all glory. Second of all, because he had a purpose for them in the midst of the storm. He had told them when they left the dock, we are all going to the other side. And when God says that we're all going to the other side, we can count on it that we're going to the other side. When God says that we're going to make it to the final destination, we can count on it that we're going to make it to the final destination. We're going to leave here and we're going to wind up where God wants us to wind up. You see what storms have a way of doing is they have a way of causing us to forget what the Lord has said. They have a way of causing us to forget the truth. And mine and your problem most of the time is not that we don't know the truth. It's that we forget how to apply it in the midst of the storm. When the storm is its worst, 
we don't know what to do. After Jesus calmed that storm, the Bible says that they became very afraid. And they asked this question, what manner of man is this? Oh, you just thought they were fearful of the storm. When Jesus said, peace be still, and he turns and asks them the question of why they're feeling what they were feeling, all of a sudden they were uh, reverentially in fear of him because they recognized his power in that moment. And I don't want you to miss this truth. God gives you a storm to show you what kind of foundation you have. If you never had a storm, you'd not know what kind of foundation you had. But it's in the midst of the storm that you find out that your house is built on a solid foundation. And then I'd say to you thirdly, if you want to weather the storms of life, then you need to avoid destruction. Avoid destruction. Now this is important. In verse 49, there was a man who heard and did nothing. Jesus compares him in the likeness to a man who built without a foundation. And when the storm came and the water beat against the house, it fell. And notice what the scripture says. The ruin was great. Now the flood represents both the storms of this life and the storm of coming judgment. There's overtones of judgment here that we've, we miss. I think we miss the ultimate point. Because there is coming a day when every single one of us will stand in the presence of God. I, I like to say it this way. You and I have an appointment with God. We don't know the day or the hour. We don't know the time. But it is inevitable, certain from the word of God, that it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. We're going to appear before the Lord. And we need to be ready in that moment to be sure that we are standing in his righteousness through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and that we've not come unprepared. You know why people ignore the warnings or even build on the wrong foundation? Because disobedience is easier than faithfulness in the short term. It is. Hey, do what you want to do. Live it up. Live as you please. It's easier in the short term. It's easier not to fool with having to build that strong foundation and to build your house on the cornerstone. And people are short-sighted because they value immediate gratification over long-term faithfulness. One commentator put it this way, when the final test comes at judgment day, it is the foundation on which our lives are built that matters. The words certainly have an application to the storms of life, referring here to this passage. But the person with a good foundation is not easily upset by life's difficulties, but it is the supreme final test that specially comes to mind. If you build your life on the solid foundation of Jesus, you'll be prepared for the storms now, and you'll also be prepared for judgment day. Now, there's a further comparison here that I think is helpful for us in our understanding. Before the flood, both of the houses would have looked essentially the same. Before the storm, nobody could have told a particular difference between the two. But when the storm blew up, these two examples that Jesus gives here 
one stands firm and the other is in ruin and you know what the difference was the foundation that's the difference it was the foundation so i just wonder what kind of foundation are you building on and will the foundation that you're building on have you in a position to stand strong in the presence of God now I can't talk about storms today without talking about the greatest storm of all that the Lord Jesus Christ took upon himself so that we could be redeemed you see Jesus was willing to leave the the glory of heaven, the perfection of heaven, the beauty of heaven, and to step into this world as God in the flesh. He was willing to endure the greatest of temptations, to be tempted at every point as we are, yet he was without sin. Jesus was willing to take the cup of God's wrath and God's judgment the one who did not deserve it on behalf of the ones who deserved it. And he was willing to be hung on a cross like a criminal and to bear the darkness and the weight and the pain and the suffering of all that came from God's judgment upon sin. You see, because Jesus was willing to do that and to bear what we deserved and to take the penalty that we deserve to stand in our place to be our substitution then when we come to him in faith through the crucified and the risen lord we're forgiven and we're redeemed and when god sees us he sees us not as the sinners that we were he sees us through the righteousness of his son and he sees us as his children redeemed forgiven saved and on our way to the ultimate destination which is heaven in the presence of God think about it heaven the place of perfection beauty love eternal and worship and glory to the lamb who was slain I will say to you today friend you can weather the storms of life by the grace of God if you will trust him you can weather the storms of life by the grace of God. Hey, we all face storms, storms of disappointment, sickness, loss, grief, as well as the storms of temptation from the world, the flesh, and the devil, and then ultimately the storm of death, which leads to the storm of judgment. And the two in the comparison Jesus made had the same idea. They wanted to build a house. I know that you want to build a house. Now, I'm not talking about a physical house. I'm talking about a house that you can live in, the house of your life, the house of the life of your family. You want to build a house. And these two men heard the same truth. They faced the same storm. Yeah, the bottom line was they built on a different foundation and they experienced different results. And all of us are in the middle of a storm right now. And I've heard all my life that we're either coming out of a storm, coming out of difficulty or we're in the middle of it well we're all in the middle of it right now or we're getting ready to go into another one that's just kind of the rhythm of life we live in a sin fallen world we live in a difficult 
situation at the moment. And there is a 100% chance that more storms are coming. But it is absolutely guaranteed that a final accounting is coming in the future. And here's my word for you today in closing. Friend, you better be careful how you build. You better be careful how you build. Come to Jesus, hear his words, and do them. And when you do that, it'll be evidence that you've been saved. Not so that you can be saved, but it'll be evidence that you have been saved. Because what's in your heart is going to come out in obedience to God. Have you ever come to that place in your life where you recognize that God is holy, but you're a sinner? That you saw your need for forgiveness and salvation? Have you ever come to that place where you heard the good news that Jesus came and lived and died and now lives again and he stands ready to receive you into his presence as his disciple by faith? Have you ever come to that place where you took that step and you said yes to Jesus? If you have, you've got a lot to be thankful for. Just keep building on that foundation. It's a solid foundation. Just, just keep lining your life up with the cornerstone because the cornerstone's in the right place eternally, and you can trust him. But if you haven't, today could be the day that your life could change forever. You could receive the gift of eternal life and begin to build your life on the right foundation. You say, well, Pastor, how do I take that step? Through repentance and faith. Recognizing you're a sinner, your need for salvation. And trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Would you trust him today? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these words of Jesus that are so uh, timely for us uh, we find ourselves in the midst of a storm of life but we recognize that uh, just as jesus told those disciples to get into the boat we're going to the other side that god we're going to the other side we're looking forward to the other side in fact we're anticipating it we long for it we're looking ahead to the return of jesus we pray in the meantime that you would find us faithful Help us to hear what Jesus says and to do it. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we love you. We sense the presence of your love for us through the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word that gives us clarity on how to live. And I pray that we'd be found ever faithful as we line our lives up with the cornerstone. Well, God, I know enough to know that there are some folks listening who have never come to that place of trusting in Jesus by faith. We would rejoice with the angels in heaven should they take that step today. Oh, God, move in hearts that need to hear the words of Jesus and come to him. And we pray it all in his name. Amen. We're going to sing a closing song, and then I'm going to